Hello and welcome, y'all. You're listening to Southern Reverend, a podcast from a pastor in Georgia about the Christian faith, work in ministry, and life in the South. I'm your host, Joel Mooneyham, the pastor of community and spiritual formation at Atlanta Christian Church in Atlanta, Georgia. Whoever you are and wherever this finds you, I hope that you enjoy listening and that you find something meaningful to take with you. It is the fifth Sunday of Easter, and this is the second part of a two-part arc discussing the different ways that people encounter the risen Christ. We're going to take a look at a passage from the 24th chapter of Luke, where Jesus' presence goes unnoticed for a shocking amount of time before people realize who he is. It's a good story, and so without further ado, here we go. In last week's episode, we looked at Jesus' encounter with Saul of Tarsus, who would later go by the name Paul. Paul became an influential leader in the early church, a drastic shift from the man people knew earlier in his own life when he was persecuting believers in Jesus. But his life was changed irrevocably when he encountered Christ on the way to a place called Damascus. It's a somewhat familiar story to many people, full of drama and mystery. Paul is knocked to the ground and blinded, and then he hears the voice of Jesus call him in a new direction. At the same time, Jesus reveals himself to a man named Ananias, who was sent to go tend to Paul, nurse him back to health, and teach Paul about who Jesus is. I think we like stories like this because they're concrete. There is a pivotal moment, a hinge on which an entire person's life swings in a totally new direction. And we've heard stories like this many times since. Someone is going along, living life at 100 miles an hour with not a care in the world, and then something dramatic happens that shakes them out of their hedonism or their addiction or their broken relationships or whatever. These stories are often inspiring, often moving, and they almost always involve a person's life changing as suddenly as you might turn on a light switch. But not every story is like that. Sometimes Jesus takes a slower approach. You don't always hear about stories like this as much because they're usually mundane, less filled with drama, and more filled with ordinary. Someone lives their life more or less by the book, with only a vague sense that something might be missing or that something is just out of reach, and then gradually, almost imperceptibly, Jesus is revealed. He makes his presence known, and then he leaves it to the person involved to decide what to do next. These are more frustrating stories. They confound us. They don't tie things up nicely, and they leave us hanging. But they're still unmistakable. And as we'll discover in a moment, they aren't all that new. You see, Jesus, as talented as he is at disruption, is equally talented at the long con. He lays the groundwork, moves along in our presence when we're none the wiser, and before we realize it, we're sitting in his presence, dumbfounded that we didn't see what he was doing all along. Thank you. 
24th chapter of the Gospel of Luke tells a story of two disciples who are walking from Jerusalem to a place called Emmaus on the Sunday after Jesus' execution. For those of you not keeping up, this is the first Easter Sunday. Now, we don't know much about these two disciples other than their apparent presence during that final week of Jesus' life. It's unclear how long they followed him, but what is clear is that however long they did follow him, they become convinced that he was Israel's long-awaited Messiah. And like everyone else, the previous week, culminating in Jesus' execution, left them grieving, confused, and likely afraid. And so they left Jerusalem and hit the road. Along the way, they discussed everything they had seen the previous week. And as they were walking and talking, they encountered a man on the road who asked them why they looked so downtrodden. And they were astonished. And they said, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who doesn't know. Know what? The man said. So they explained. A few days ago, a man named Jesus, who we all thought was Israel's Messiah, who would deliver us, was crucified. And now we hear that some women claim his body isn't where they buried him. And some even say he might be risen. It's just been a weird few days. Oh, that, the man said. Haven't y'all read closely? This is what the prophet said would happen all along. The Messiah had to die. That's what y'all have been overlooking. Let me explain it to you. So the stranger joined them on their walk and taught them things about the Messiah that they had never picked up on before. Irony of all irony is, the man they were speaking to was, in fact, the risen Jesus. They got to their village, it had gotten late, and their new friend seemed like he might be going a little further, so they invited him to stay a little while. Well, okay, if you insist, he said. And as they settled in and sat down for supper, the stranger said a prayer over the meal and began to serve them. And at that moment, something clicked. They recognized that the stranger was Jesus. And just as soon as they recognized him, he was gone. They were struck. And yet, they weren't all that surprised. There's this beautiful tension in the moment, a sense of dawning realization, and at the same time, a quiet familiarity that had been there all along. Jesus, the man who they mourned, had been the stranger beside them from the outset. Jesus is at once frustrating and compelling. He's frustrating because he's in no one's pocket. He doesn't adhere to schedules or timelines or agendas, and sometimes it seems like he's absent altogether. I've been there myself many, many times. This is where the two disciples were. They had been faithful, and they were devoted, and they thought themselves in the know. 
and yet things hadn't happened like they expected, and it seemed like everything they had hoped for was lost at best, or a lie at worst. But what we may find is that in those moments when it seems like there's nothing but static on the other end of the line, things are happening all around us that we hardly pay any attention to. And while we're focusing on our own frustration, our own sorrow, our own boredom, or our own meandering lack of purpose, Christ is working behind the scenes in our relationships, our circumstances, and even in the supposed silence itself. And then, without warning, almost without incident, a curtain drops, and we see what Jesus has been doing all along to redeem and restore us. It recontextualizes everything that has come before, and we wonder how we ever could have missed what was going on. That is what makes Jesus so compelling. It's like that feeling when you see an illusionist who's skilled at sleight of hand make a coin disappear here and then reappear over there. And then when you learn the trick, you see that you've been following the wrong hand the whole time. Or that awe that comes when you stare at the early morning horizon, barely noticing how the light is dawning and the sky is changing colors. And before you know it, the dark blue sky has turned blazing gold and there's a new day before you. from Luke, Jesus doesn't appear in a flash of light. He doesn't appear in an earthquake. He shows up on a long walk from one place to another, and he isn't even recognizable to people who thought they knew him well. And then patiently, without anger or judgment, he walks with them in their confusion and stays with them in their sorrows. He sits down with them, breaks bread with them, a moment of intimate familiarity, a beautiful scene of the divine once again sitting down with the creation and he shares a meal. And in something as simple as the ordinary act of breaking bread, they recognize him again, and yet for the first time. And then he vanishes. This is the most challenging thing about the story. Jesus leaves them for a time to make of the experience what they will. And this is important to remember. There is always a decision to be made on our part. Do we cynically disregard it as merely a strange moment of coincidence? Do we skeptically wave it away as a hallucination in the midst of confusion? Or do we lean into the moment and marvel at who it is we have just encountered? C.S. Lewis's The Chronicles of Narnia, The Last Battle. There is a scene in which a character named Emeth discovers that he has been serving Aslan, the savior of the story, his whole life without even knowing it. 
All of his years of yearning and searching and serving have been in preparation for the one moment where he is face to face with the one he has always sought. Many times we go along acting on Christ's behalf or responding to Christ's leading without ever knowing that that was the case. And then one day we find that the thing we felt leading us was not an impersonal, indifferent force, but the very presence of Christ, risen and very much alive, yearning to move in us and act through us as vessels of grace and mercy and love. Jesus is not one size fits all. In fact, if you're looking for a Savior who fits your expectations or obeys your schedule or falls in line with your agenda, then you aren't seeking a Savior at all. But Christ does come at us the best way that we can receive Him, and the first move is always His. And He doesn't leave us where we are, but He leaves us poised to keep on going where He leads if we are willing to walk that road. He isn't always overturning tables. He doesn't always knock us to the ground. Sometimes He's a stranger on the road who walks beside us until our eyes are opened, we recognize His face, and we walk away saying, It was him all along. Thank you all for listening to this episode of Southern Reverend. I've been your host, Joel Mooneyhan. I want to give special thanks to my friend Angela Petrilli from California for providing the music on this week's episode. If you want to check out more of her music, and you absolutely should, you can find her on Instagram at the handle Angela Petrilli Music, and I'll link that for you in the description. If you want to hear more from me, you can find me on the web at www.southernreverend.com, on Instagram at the handle Southern Reverend, and on facebook.com slash southernreverend. If you've enjoyed this episode, then please share with your friends and listen to other episodes that you might find on Spotify, iTunes, and SoundCloud. Thank you all again for listening, and come back next week for episode six of the Eastertide series. Until then, you all have a great week. Take care and be good to one another. And I'll get there just as soon as